Welcome back to Triple Feature. It is our 18th episode. 18. What the hell? How did we do that? 18. What the hell? That's crazy. Um, in the month of February, we're doing this thing where we're not necessarily picking, you know, romantic films, rom-coms, romance, whatever you want to call them. Um, love. Love. Um, we're doing something different. Uh, last week, we talked about The Devil Wears Prada. This week, we're talking about The Little Prince. And we're talking about The Little Prince because that is Faith's pick for this month's theme, which is partner picks. Um, I, I, I skipped the introduction, so I'll do that is now. Is there any of you guys that are? Uh, My oh. name's Emma. <laughs> I'm Freddie. I'm Seabear, tight end, and film school university. Tight end, film school university. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, Freddie's wife. My Hi, wife. Um, Faith Ann, welcome. Hi. <laughs> I listen Love to it. her. You hear that? You hear that voice? So, so sweet. Aw. <laughs> Aw, we're getting all lovey here. We're trying to not do that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we're definitely doing that. <laughs> for this, for our partner picks, should we explain partner picks if people haven't listened to it? Yeah, yet? if you haven't been listening the past couple of weeks, partner picks is where, uh, you know, it's still a triple feature, but instead of the three of us picking a movie, we're having our partners pick a movie for us to watch. Yeah. So we're not picking about. we're not picking romance movies, but we're letting the people that we romance pick movies for us. There we go. So last week's Devil Wears Prada was <laughs> it's kind of romantic. It's a little romantic. <laughs> That's why I was joking earlier. Uh Tasha picked the Devil Wears Prada. Faith Ann picked the Little Prince. And we'll reveal um He's so little my guy Cam Bam. Uh, his pick later on today. So, um, before we talk about The Little Prince, let's review some things that we've been watching. Seabear, uh, what have you been watching since the last time we recorded? At a late night insomnia doom scroll of trying to figure out what to watch until I ended up going, fuck it. I'm gonna watch High School Musical three, the best musical of all time, and I pretty much certified it. I have not that much to say about it because I will probably find a way this year to make it an episode. I already have an idea of what it could be, so I'll save my thoughts for that. But yeah. otherwise, Connor's gonna make me watch High School Musical. Yep. You know it. We're all Zach in this Efron's together. Hot. Not looking forward to this. I'll <laughs> give it a little tease. I think High School Musical 3 is the evil dead of High School Musical. That being said, it's a mo High School Musical 3 basically takes the first two movies but makes them better. Learns from what they did bad and what they did good and makes High School Musical 3. Uh, so that is my little tease take of of high school musical three 
where that will fit into the rest of the year. But the other movie mm. I saw, another, let's <laughs> see. We, we kind of planned out. Wheels are what, turning. What are Wheels are turning. I have a feeling what yeah. month this is going to fall in. Mm. Yeah. We won't reveal, but yeah, we, we kind of maybe know. The hamster uh, in my the head other is The big wheel keeps on turning. Yeah. Yeah. Proud but then the other movie I watched was uh, 2008, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I finally what, watched this. Is I that one of those David own, Fincher movies you didn't watch? Yes, and I also own the Criterion version of this movie on Criterion Blu-ray. Criterion release Curious Rare Case find. of Benjamin Button? I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't release it. They just put it in the collection. Well, that's what I um, meant. I don't think a, that... I don't yeah. know. It doesn't feel like a Criterion movie to me. Uh, when I watched it, definitely does, because this is my hot take. This is a better Forrest Gump. Uh, the whole <laughs> movie, I'm like, wow, this movie seems familiar. And it wasn't until he meets Nyad, and I'm like, oh, this is just better adult Forrest Gump. <laughs> it's just better relationship, but pretty much better everything that I didn't really care for Forrest Gump. Not saying Forrest Gump is a bad movie, because it's still a Bobby Z, Robert Zemeckis film. But it's just the things that I took from Gump where I think about now and I'm like, yeah, that was bad or I didn't really care about that. And I, it's just a movie I don't care about now. Whereas this, I'm like, oh, I love Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I think it also goes with I love Brad Pitt. Uh, I love old man Brad Pitt. I love young man Brad Pitt. I love Brad Pitt in all his eras. We could call this the era tour of Brad Pitt movie. Uh, and... Freddie, have you seen? Yeah, the like again. Of Benjamin I've only seen parts of it. Oh, parts of it. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I didn't see this because in 2008 I was in fifth grade, so <laughs> definitely not a movie targeted for me. Uh, but I remember like the marketing, or just at least like its presence, and it's just been on the back burner for me because it definitely seems like a movie that I would like in. Like I'm saying now, as an adult, I really appreciate it. I love the love story elements. I love just like, again, like seeing life through this guy's eyes. I love the way that David Fincher adapts this film. This is based off of a short story by uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who did The Great Gatsby. Um, but reading into the short story, it seems like not the best thing to adapt but the way that they do it with him starting being born in World War One and then serving in World War Two and just seeing the world, how the world changed so fast is something that most people don't learn. And especially getting to the end of when it when it's Hurricane Katrina, like that much technology that passes through through that much time is is interesting as well. Um, and so yeah, like it's just a very humbling and great movie. And just also solidifies David Fincher being probably one of my favorite <laughs> uh, directors. And I can't wait to get to the other movies I haven't seen from him. <laughs> so I can finally listen to this miniseries uh, podcast that I follow. The Fincher. Noise. Big David. Cool. Um, Freddie, you don't have anything this week? Uh, I do not. <laughs> I do not have any other movies this week other than The Little Prince. Yeah. Unless you want to hear me talk so about little. the PBA tour. 
Watch the PBA tour. <laughs> the so, bowling thing? Yeah. Oh, that's not a movie. Watch some professional. <laughs> watch some professional bowling. Shout out to my to my fellow bowlers, my my pinheads out there. <laughs> oh Who do you God. think you are? I am <laughs> a little PDW. Anyway, who do you um, think you are? I am. Uh, so I'll go next. So, um, okay, I watched this movie called Dicks. The Musical, which was a 2023 film that I missed in theaters, came out like sometime in October and I was just like flooded with new releases and I just didn't have time to catch this in theaters. But the reason why I wanted to watch this movie was because it is from A24. It is their first and only musical. And um, I cannot recommend this movie to anybody. Uh, I don't regret watching it. But, oh, and the reason why I watched it now is because it's on HBO Max. It finally finally is streaming on a streaming platform that I have access to. So I was all, hell yeah, I can finally watch this for free. But, man, um, this is like absurdism to the extreme, almost to the point of like, it's too much, in my opinion. Um, basically, it's like these two... It was a stage musical first, and then they made it into a movie. But um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. There are fu- it's definitely hyper comedy. Megan Thee Stallion's in this movie. Um, Megan Mullally's in this movie. Um, Nathan Lane is in this movie, and you have like two relatively unknown people because they've never acted in a movie before. They are the writers of the of the musical. Two like. <clears throat> very gay men who are acting like they are straight men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it is, they play, they play twins that were separated at birth. So it's essentially like parent trap for the gays. And um, yeah, I mean, it's absurd. It's hilarious. I'll say like one, one, one very memorable moment that really made me laugh out loud is um, when they meet each other for the first time. They haven't figured out that they're actually twins yet, and they're kind of they're kind of like macho guys, but one of them has like really long hair, and they like are trying to point out each other's masculinity. And uh, one of them says, "You have really long hair, like a girl." And the other guy says, well, you have really short hair like a lesbian girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that made me cackle. So um, I don't know. If you're interested in just watching the most absurd thing you've ever seen, it's there on HBO Max. Uh, Not my cup of tea. I will say the ending just really, it lost me. Yeah, I was look. I was looking it up because I remember seeing ads for that. And I I just... uh, it's the I didn't I didn't realize it's the same director that does like every Sasha Baron Cohen movie. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's it's I don't know. It's absurd. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, well, part of it is a show which leads into the other film I watched this week. So didn't watch a whole Illegal. lot of films this week because I watched binged the new Illegal. prime TV show Mr. and Mrs. Smith, starring mm-hmm. Donald Glover okay. well, and Maya that, Erskine. And I take it back. It's based on a movie. 
It's not based on a movie, actually. The movie. No, is I based, know, but at, the movie at, is actually the 2005 movie is based on a TV show from a long time ago, and uh, it it really is very very different from the 2005 film, and it's a lot better in my opinion. It's a lot cooler. It makes a lot more sense. It's definitely not as hot as the 2005 movie because I do feel like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie just have a lot more sex and I'll have a lot more like hot (laughs) things happening. Whereas in the show, it's not as much. And uh, but it's very, very, very good and very cool. But um, it introduced me to an actor that now I'm obsessed with uh, because I think she is very, very, very cool and very interesting. And I want to see everything she's done. Uh, so Maya Erskine oh. is the actor that plays Jane Smith in the show. Yeah, she's awesome. And um, she's in this show called uh, Pen15, which so I have never yeah, seen. Yeah, baby. So I, I have. was very interested in seeing more from her because she's so freaking... She's not just like really funny in the show. She's very charming and like very cool she plays i mean she's playing like a badass like secret agent kind of thing in the show so it's it's less comedy and it's a very different performance but that led me to watch um a 2019 rom-com that she stars in with jack quaid called plus one which is about two friends that are invited together they add up to 10 weddings that they have to attend over one summer. So they decide to attend all of them together as friends. But it's a rom-com, so, you know, you do they the math. They start falling in love with each yeah, other. you do yeah. the math. What happens when you go to 10 weddings with the same person that is your friend? Um, mm-hmm. So You become enemies. Yeah, so. <laughs> you hate each other forever. Um, yeah, so I watched that because I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I was interested in seeing that film watch. that I've never seen before. And um, Jack Quaid was pretty good, too. I like him. But I felt like everything that Maya Ar- Erskine was doing in Plus One was, like, so charming that I felt like he was literally reacting to her. Like, he wasn't acting. Like, he was actually thinking she was funny and it wasn't his character reacting to her it was jack quaid reacting to her so i I think he's great but i don't think he can like really kind of keep up with her her charisma in that film so yeah uh anyway i liked it thought it was a pretty solid rom-com so yeah that's my we love it we love a solid rom-com you should definitely you should definitely watch pen 15 pen 15 is so funny and it's one of the other than when the bear came out, it was the main reason I told people to get Hulu because like it's so good. Yeah, Connor's been on the Pen Fifteen train since like day one. Well, because it's yeah. like one of those shows where it handles like really delicate material in a really funny way, like the yeah. same way the bear does. Yeah, so dark comedy. I, yes. Yeah, but it's yeah, the premise is that they're like. 24 or 20 like they're they're in their 20s but they're playing middle schoolers right but everybody around them are children this is for the audience and then like (laughs) so like every everyone around them are children or you know adults and stuff but mainly they're like going to middle school but like they're the only people that look like like toby mcguire in the first (laughs) spider-man just like you're not supposed to be here (laughs) type of thing but like what faith was saying is like yeah it deals with like 
issues and topics that like should be talked about and stuff. It was almost like the praise that eighth grade was getting of like, yeah, this should be stuff that kids should like watch or learn. Like, I don't know why these are taboo things to not teach uh, children in a way. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's get into The Little Prince. The Little Prince is an animated film from 2015. Since it is Faith's pick uh, for partner picks, um, why don't you summarize it a little bit for us? Just kind of like give the audience an idea a lot of the people that listen to this podcast probably have not seen The Little Prince. But right. just so you know, we are going to spoil every little detail of this movie. <laughs> um, so given the audience an idea of like what the premise is, the, what it's about. And also, I, I want to know why you chose this movie for us. Okay. So The Little Prince is based on a children's book that came out a long time ago um and it was actually really relevant in france for a while because that's where the author is from so antoine de saint exupery um he he wrote this kind of in a way to call out the notion that as you grow older you lose your sense of imagination you lose your sense of identity in a lot of ways while you're trying to grow your new identity um so the film definitely explores that and really encapsulates this idea that as you become an adult you lose parts of yourself that really kind of make you human like the human that we need in the world Mm. um so humans with grace and humans with kindness and humans with fear, but the fear that drives you to um, confront the things in the society that you're living in, things within your family um, that make things hard. So, I mean, I could talk about that forever, but I do want to read the dedication that is in the beginning of the book Um, because I think if I could wish for anybody to read a book before watching a movie, it would be this movie in this book. Um, So the dedication, it says to Leon Wirth, I ask children to forgive me for dedicating this book to (laughs) grownups. I have a serious excuse. This grownup is the best friend I have in the world. I have another excuse. This grownup can understand everything, even books for children. I have a third excuse. He lives in France where he is hungry and cold. He needs to be comforted. If all of these excuses are not enough, then I want to dedicate this book to the child whom this grown-up once was. All grown-ups were children first, but few of them remember it. So I cracked my dedication to Leon Worth when he was a little boy. So I feel like that dedication right there, that is just your clear indication of what this story is going to be about this loss of childhood and how pivotal that childhood experience of imagination and not forgetting and forgiveness is so essential to being a good grown-up um so what else did you want me to talk about 
Um, I guess we should. I guess we should. Um, no, you did a great job. I, I guess we should talk about how this movie kind of differs from the book because yeah. the the movie is actually uh, it's an adaptation of the book, but it does something kind of unique. It's actually about this modern day little girl and her relationship with her mom, right? And also this relationship with her neighbor. Who, who is an old man. Who is and, an old man who is the aviator in the story, The Little Prince. Right. And so they kind of use the book as like it, it exists in this story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. So that's like the really beautiful part, I think, of the film is that it takes. I mean, if you as you watch the film, you see the pages from the actual book itself. Um, and if you, you know, I had mentioned that the author is somebody who is from France. So the original book was written in French. And I think it's really amazing that as you look at the pages in the film, um, the pages are all in French as oh, well. Okay. And I that's not really that. acknowledged. No. But then I also think once you watch the film and you see who this little girl is and you see how she has been forced to be as smart as she is, that right there is an indicator that she's reading this page in French. Yeah. And there is no notion that this child is bilingual. It's just you just pick up on that. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't really pick up on that. Yeah. So the the, the movie really um, takes the actual story and then you see this modern version of the aviator who is actively practicing not forgetting yeah and um you kind of see him challenge even the thinking of this child because she has been forced to already be in the process of growing up far too soon mm -hmm. um and with him challenging her she is also challenging him to ensure that he is telling the story correctly and doing the little prince justice um and that right there is this notion of forcing him not to forget even though he has ensured that he will not forget her challenging him to tell her the story the true story even when she wasn't ready for the ending and even when she got so mad about it um he had to practice the the act of not forgetting something so pivotal to his life um so yeah, yeah like um i mean let's get into like what this movie talks about and like what um like yeah like spoilers are gonna happen because we're talking about the ins and outs of this movie but like i mean yeah like this little girl is so um I mean, what what makes her a grown up when she's so little is her mom and like yeah. the relationship that she has with her mom. Her mom put so much pressure on her as a little girl to be uh, perfect so that basically it kind of takes place over a summer because her mom's trying to get her to be accepted into this school that is an academy that like so is she's really trying to like like make her into this perfect child in her eyes to be a perfect adult to be a perfect adult yeah mm -hmm. and so um that that's kind of like but 
through the summer while her mom's at work and she is expecting her child to be to follow that life life chart she's expecting her child to be you know dedicated to this like hour by or minute by minute schedule per day she's actually forming a relationship with this aviator who lives next door who That puts a propeller through their home, um, literally invades her life. Yeah. Can't help but form a relationship with this person. Right. Um, and he starts to kind of introduce very like child, childlike things to her in a world. Like I think about like just the the outline, not the outline, but like the interior of like her home is like gray Mm -hmm. and like the furniture is gray and there aren't any colors. And like even her bedroom is just like gray floors, gray walls and like the books. There's 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 the textbooks. Muted tone books. Well they're textbooks. They're like you know, arithmetic and geometry and not like, you know, childhood, like, you know, stories. The mom is actually anti-story. Mm-hmm. And then you have the aviator who introduces a story to the child, um, which is the story of the little prince. And that's when her kind of like she gets interested in like more childlike things. I really like that you had mentioned like he invades her life in that way. He inv- he invades her life so abruptly And then when he actually introduces himself, it's so delicate. It's just this little paper plane Mm -hmm. flying through her window. And it's so soft and sweet. Mm -hmm. And she responds so... Coldly. Coldly, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's just like mimicking everything she's seen. And you can even see that when the aviator leaves the oops and it's the little propeller note and then the flower and her mom throws it reacts just as coldly as her daughter did. Well, and and she's also trying to impress her mom and like be who she wants her mom to be at that point in the story anyway so um also i just wanted to add to the the colors thing um everything is also angular like everything is square and they show that like from the get-go like when they first move so it's like they live in a suburban like little boxes everywhere yeah like so she at the beginning of the movie she fails her entrance exam to this academy because the they changed the question that she's supposed to know how to answer Mm -hmm. um that her mom prepared her very delicately to answer yeah but then if you like compare that to the aviator's home which is next door there's shrubbery growing everywhere the home itself is almost like a lighthouse it's like circular. Everything yeah. is angry. nothing is square. Yeah, and she and she's so shocked when she enters the home. She's like, "You have so much stuff." And I love when he's like, "Well, there's a word for it." And she's like, "A collector." He said, "No, a hoarder." Hoarder. I'm, I'm, a hoarder. I'm kind of a hoarder. Kind of a hoarder. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a bit like a hoarder. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think so. It's so funny because when I first watched the film. I was remembering, so I I learned about the story through my grandfather, and my grandfather immigrated to America from India, and when he had immigrated here, he immigrated in the early 60s to Detroit during the riots, and it was really, really hard for him to adapt one to a new country, and then also to this disaster that was happening around him, Um, and Obviously, none of you have met my grandfather. He has long passed away, and um, Freddie unfortunately never got to meet him. But 
if you knew my grandfather, my grandfather, I would argue, was just like the mom. Very much cut and dry, like shit goes where it needs to go. It's in the same place every day. You have a schedule, a schedule, he would say, and you would, you know, follow that to a T. But then there was this book that he, I remember us reading and him being so just engrossed with this book. So then as I'm watching the film, there were so many moments where I was just like, oh, this film would like kick him in the ass. He would feel so (laughs) self-conscious watching this because you don't realize even as an adult, um, especially as an adult, I should say, how quickly you fall into the pattern of everything has to go exactly how it's supposed to go and any anything that could potentially cause an uproar is terrifying. And that's like what the mom is experiencing because the mom wants her daughter to have everything she could have in the world besides creativity, besides imagination, because those things, I would argue even in society today, we teach children that you reach an age where you lose that. Now it's time for you to grow up and face the real world. And in the real world, there is not time for imagination. There's not time for color. Um, You need to know what job you want by the time you're in seventh grade. I'm talking to my seventh graders now about what career choices would you want to have? Then I ask myself, I'm like, why the fuck am I asking a 12-year-old that? Yeah, like it's very much... um especially education the way that it is now it's very much like we are growing minds into like how they will serve as a worker instead of growing minds into what are you interested in yeah what what gives you joy what gives you what makes you feel creative today um we yeah we aren't we aren't nurturing artists in the education system and it's you know I I chose this movie, obviously, because the book is so important to me. Um, It is my absolute favorite book. But the movie was actually relevant to me recently because I just started to teach a creative collective class where I'm giving students the opportunity and I'm honestly kind of pushing them to really explore what their passions are and like what gets them excited outside of well, my mom and dad have me in these sports. I got to attend these sports games or I'm in an after school club or I only prioritize school. Um, And I was thinking about this film as soon as I started this class. And I was like, I'm talking to these kids and they cannot tell me what they're passionate about. Yeah. Like they're struggling the same way that they struggle to say anything good about themselves. They struggle to identify what they're passionate about, like what they enjoy doing. And then they'll give you a response like, I like being on my phone. I like TikTok. (laughs) I like playing video games. And it's like, that's cool. Okay. But like, what else, you know? And they struggle to identify that because they've, even at this age, they've started to lose that imagination that you have Mm -hmm. and that um, feeling of unconditional support to explore that imagination, to explore that creativity. So I was thinking about this film quite a bit and I was like, I would really like to watch this for my choice. Um, Yeah. But I also want to show it to my students and I want them to kind of explore it themselves. And show it to us. 
and show it to you guys. Um, so yeah, I had never seen The Little Prince before and uh, we watched it. I watched it with Faith and Freddie this past uh, week in preparation for the recording. And I was obviously interested. I've never seen it, but I had heard about it when it first came out. I think I had a friend, somebody that I was friends with a while ago that really liked it, but I just never got around to seeing it. And I don't think I was prepared for how emotionally wrecked that I was gonna be after watching this. Like this movie is so, it takes itself so seriously and it is so earnest in the way that it is telling the story of the little girl um, learning how to be a kid um, as well as the mom learning how to not be a kid but be a good grown up. Yeah. And and what that means to be a good grown up in this world. And so, man, I was a wreck through a lot of this movie. I was crying mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, no, <laughs> I was crying. There was lots a lot. of crying. It's there's crying every time I watch it. I just actually rewatched it yesterday. Um, and I was showing it to another person that's pretty important to me. And I was um watching him watch it. And there were so many moments where he has a daughter and he was just like, I could see him thinking about his own child and i think that's something that's so important being an adult watching it it's one of those films that are obviously meant for they're they're geared towards children but meant for adults um and yeah i definitely think that this movie is meant for grown-ups to watch as well, I mean, yeah, like as well as kids, but like for real, like this is a, a movie that grownups need to see. Well, like sure. I think I think like um, like creativity and passion and joy are not are not feelings that are exclusively for children. Right. And I yeah. think the movie really emphasizes the fact that we tend to forget that and yeah. think that everything needs to be so goddamn serious all the time. Um, and so it's like the movie does end up applying to adults and it it kind of does it um, without really having to try just because the mm-hmm. subject matter is something that it's like, no, obviously this applies to you because you're a human being. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you deserve to be able to, you deserve to be able to like have these emotions. There wasn't an age limit when you Mm-mm. suddenly weren't allowed to like things and be silly. Yeah. Not just, yeah, but like to be excited about things that yeah. are deemed childish. Right. Yeah. Like reading stories and playing games and. You know, just like all kinds Looking of things. Looking at the stars. Looking Having at the stars, yeah. Seeing all the possibilities yeah. in the stars. Because I remember that when I was a little girl. The sky and the stars were, you shoot for the stars. Like that is where yeah. all the possibilities are. Yeah. The- and as you get older, it's like you, if you think about it, when was the last time you just like went outside? And I mean, we live in Detroit. There's light pollution everywhere. But like, when was the last time you just like went outside and looked at the sky? Yeah. And just really appreciated how vast everything is. And for a lot of people, that's fearful. Like that is, that that invokes a sense of fear of all of the unknowing. Yeah. But I was just talking with a friend of mine about this 
in regards to children, there, I would love to study the brain and the moment that we as children realize we don't know everything. Because I think when we're children, there there's a moment where we're so unaware of what we don't know and it doesn't bother us. We're just kind of existing and we're okay with learning and failing and then learning from that failure. And then you reach a point and I don't know when that point is where you realize you don't know everything, that there's more to know and that is scary. Yeah. And that right there is the moment the process true growing up starts. And well, I think I think what this movie has to say is that there is no such thing as being grown up. Right. Like, like even the aviator who is a dying old man still has things to learn, still has yeah. ways to grow, still has growing up to do. And he, and he shows he shows that that not knowing things and still learning things it sh- it shouldn't be scary in a negative way right like he the the willingness he still shows at his age to want to learn and to be wrong and to um to appreciate what comes with being wrong um is really beautiful and i think honestly the moment where he realizes this little girl doesn't understand how the story is going to end. And he's like, I think it's time that I have to tell you how the story ends. And he tells her about the snake and the little prince and his ultimate fate and what that means. I think he had a moment where he didn't realize he was going to have to teach this child this thing. And that was new for him. Um, and I just thought that that was a really great example of him still, of him realizing there's still so much he has to learn about being a child. He has to remember about childhood is that moment you realize things, things end. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And the metaphors are crazy like um when you were talking about the stars specifically that was just uh, that was just very like well well, like um when at the towards the end when uh the little girl finds the little prince in the work work planet the work asteroid or whatever Mm. and he's grown up and he's Mr. Prince. Mr. Mr. Prince. He's Paul Rudd. And he's anxious. <laughs> because and... he's worked his life away. Um, and uh, I think he says something when the stars come back. He's like, oh, wonderful. The stars are back. Mm-hmm. That's a very like, um, well, like to your point, just like what the stars symbolize right. to the little prince. Like he traveled the stars. Like he, um, he sees them as you know, like adventure. uh, And and that's what childhood is. Childhood is you traveling through the stars. It is you noticing all of the little things and um, not running away from them, but running towards them, Mm -hmm. you know? One of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when the little girl has 
come to the conclusion of the story and she's so upset and she runs home and she's vacuuming the stars off of her ceiling. Yeah. And you see them in this globe of the vacuum mm-hmm. and then you flash forward to when she when she arrives to the work asteroid mm-hmm. and you see all of the stars being contained in this mm-hmm. globe from you know, th- this horrible, horrible man. The businessman. The businessman who owns everything and everybody. He owns um, the stars. He owns the stars. And again, that goes back to us in our child. We we were stars. Like, mm-hmm. we were traveling through the stars, and he owned all of those. And then you see, as the stars are released, the life popping back into the people w- within this working asteroid. And you it kind of ties all together this notion that um, you can't reach for the stars if they're not there. But once they're back, you can continue reaching for them no matter how old you are. Um, Yeah. And I just think it's really beautiful. Yeah, that was just a really gorgeous uh, sort of segment of the stars returning. And I I definitely noticed the the parallel Mm -hmm. between the stars in the vacuum and the, the stars vacuum in and the, the stars in the we need to talk about the rose yes we have um, and we have that to talk rose about just made me freaking lose it Hang on. Oh. can i yes just, can i cut in just real real quick go ahead uh first of all connor do you have anything to say what do you say it's just i'm on my <laughs> yeah <laughs> interject at any moment um, well i mean yeah it's, it's like you're you guys are talking so so elegantly i don't want to really like interject of <laughs> what you guys are saying like it's really good conversation so but cool. yeah i i also have not seen this movie um i do remember it getting to netflix when netflix acquired uh the u.s rights to it um but i guess with because it's a paramount film but yeah, I I remember getting a lot of buzz around that time, and I was like, oh, I'll get to it because my one of my favorite genres is animation. I love animated films. I'm not the opposite, but I'm not the target audience for this movie. In the vein of, I do still, I I feel like the pilot, <laughs> where I have a childlike imagination, and that I don't view the world as black and white, and yeah. and and things like that. And so it's not saying that it it's bad, but it, it it was it was me basically going off of just like okay, like I I see where all this is coming from, and especially with to I guess respond to some of the stuff with faith of like I understand where you're coming from of this attachment that you have to this film, um, that like as someone coming in for the first time, it's like it's a lot harder because there's a lot of other stuff that I not brought to the movie, but I was just like, oh, it reminds me of this. It reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but for you, it's like, I like in the back of my brain, I'm like, oh, if this was the f- first movie I saw of this thing, that's why it would be my favorite. Like how the SpongeBob SquarePants movie is probably my favorite animated movie of all time. Because like it, I, it was something I watched as a kid a lot, and like it will never change for me even though there's better movies i know but it's like it it's just stuck in there with me but like the thing i guess to get to my point with it is like the thing that i struggled with this film um was the animation in the vein of like i was torn bet- i was like harvey dent i had two sides of the coin with this 
On the one side, I really love the storybook elements that they add to the animation. And I think that's the one thing I got out of Letterboxd and most reviews of like the story when it's the little prince and him visiting all the little characters and stuff. And it's it seems like it's adapted from the, the, the children's book was so well done and so well animated, but then you get cut back to the real world stuff. And to me, it felt like a lesser Brad bird film in the sense of the, the whole movie. I was like, this is just Incredibles, but without the superheroes. Um, where like in Incredibles, it is about a Bob having a midlife crisis, but it is that sense of being special and being a child, like them telling Dash, like he can't, he can't be a superhero, he can't be a child because you know that's what society wants him to be is be normal. But he has super speed, so like he can't do sports and stuff, and it, it's like somewhat of an exaggeration, but like I. I got there with the Incredibles, but it's especially with the animation at the beginning of just like how it looks like the first Incredibles and things in its animation. And I'm just like, it's lacking that like Brad Bird isms of like taking animation to a next level. Cause that's what makes Brad Bird, Brad Bird is that childlike imagination him going, working for Disney and working for the old Disney heads on Fox and the Hound and going, why are we making these movies when we can make, something incredible hence why he left and made the iron giant and then comes back to disney and makes incredibles and then ratatouille and you could see the creativity and stuff and again not saying that this movie doesn't have creativity but when it does for me it's in those storybook elements and it's like oh and i understand why the movie has to be the way it is in the real world situation i'm calling it the real world stuff you know real world mtv but with that, like, it's just something where I'm like, there could have been extra, like, we're using animation. Like, let's really, like, go out. But then, like, hearing you guys talk, I'm like, well, there are those things that are, like, yes. But then it just, again, reminds me of just, like, how The Incredibles does it, the opening montage and stuff of, like, showing how broken they are as people, as superheroes and things. So it's just, like, a little back and forth of this movie, this ping-ponging that I had. Yeah, I completely agree with you about the animation, specifically the 3D animation that takes place in uh, the quote unquote real world in this in the main story with the little girl and her mom and the neighbor and all of that. Um, it's it's really not the best animation. Um, it's, um, you know, the Incredibles came out like almost a decade before this movie. And it, yeah, so I... At one point, when it finally goes to the story of the Little Prince, and it's almost like the way that it does it is just gorgeous. It almost like it's almost like the little girl is immersing herself into the paper, yeah, and the paper like becomes clouds, mm-hmm. and then later on in the movie, they use the three D animation um, and they mirror the clouds as she takes the plane out to go find the little prince and it's, you know, yeah. it's darker. Yeah. But when, cause like in the storybook element, the animation is like stop motion. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, I, you know, I even wrote down, I was just like, I wish the whole movie looked like this. But at the same time, I understand like wanting to do like something different for the storybook book 
versus something for the real world. I just, um, yeah, I don't think the animation yeah. is just like that great. But I think I don't think it gets a, in the way of the story that well, much. Well, honestly, uh, honestly, yeah, not, if I want to bounce like off of that, yeah, sometimes. I was about to say to bounce off of that. I think that I think that honestly, it works pretty perfectly for the story that for what they're trying to get across to say like let's just let's just use like a kind of it's almost harsh let's just use a kind of harsh term and say that it's kind of lifeless yeah. at moments yeah, it is. but also that's like purpose. that's literally the life Her that life this is girl lifeless. is in is yeah. that it's like very lifeless and i'm glad that you said imagination connor because that's really what that's really what i was trying to get to it's like the the loss of imagination and thinking that you've reached a certain age where it's like, I'm no longer allowed to be imaginative anymore. Like that's not, that's not yeah. something that's for me. That's something exclusively for children. And like, that's bullshit. Um, that's bullshit, man. But I do think that, you know, to it's, it has like, it's such a harsh, harsh juxtaposition um, that, it works it works really well because it is like you're going into this 3d animation and you're watching it and you're like you know i could i could probably guess in it i could probably guess what, about when this movie came out based on what the 3d animation looks like but then you go into the 2d animation and it's so it is so creative is it 2d or is it stop motion well, or is stop, it stop motion? Or is it three D made to look like stop motion? I think I think it's more. It's, it's probably three D made to look like three. Yeah. So it's like so it's like the Lego movie. Well, the, the three, Lego in a way, yeah. The Lego movie is three D made motion. to look like stop motion in that way, but it's a well, little different because it, it looks a little, a little bit, bit of more, both. It little it looks a little bit like in the little prints. It looks very storybook. Yeah, and so like, but it's you have CG, it's so stylized. CG made to, yeah, yeah, and so it's. But like it captures that imagination because it is so vastly different from the animation that the rest of the story is taking place in. Um, and so it's like you feel it. You feel it when it's she's entered this the world of this story and like we're engulfed in it because we're like so attached to how this looks. Um, one thing that I was uh, the one thing that I also wanted to say I had a couple of things that I was. I wanted to bring up, but y'all were y'all were in the zone. So I was with Connor. Where I think I'm Faith like, and I went into in. like uh, literary analysis mode. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> y'all, y'all just had well, you guys, <laughs> y'all, y'all were. It was me and Freddie like sitting back watching like a Siskel and Ebert episode. It was like, damn, yeah. they're really good. <laughs> like, like, like they're on the same page. Like it, it's not yeah. as much as Siskel Ebert because you guys would have been like, no, you're wrong. This is why this is better. But like it was just like, damn, like they're really good at talking. About this we movie. did meet as colleagues, as English teachers, high school English teachers. High school yeah. English teachers. High school. <laughs> what we, that's what we did for every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I went to I film school, say, university. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the um, when you were when you all were talking about the mom, I think the big thing for me with the mom and sort of like you know, she wants her to get into this school, so she literally upends their entire life and moves them within the radius of the school district, so that they have to take her because she lives in the neighborhood. Yeah, and then she has her big chart with her life planned out for like literally all the way up until <laughs> she is an adult. And it's like, this is what you're going to do every minute of every day. And obviously like, this is where oh, like a lot a of the, 
Yeah. You can wait until next summer. Next summer on Thursdays <laughs> from one to one thirty. <laughs> yeah, and so like, you know, she has this all regimented out for her, um, and Rachel McAdams is a great voice actor for this too because yeah. she's so um, she's so high pitched mm-hmm. and like she can her, she can get her voice to make like she's talking as quickly and efficiently as she can. Yes, because there's not enough time to actually talk. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but so, you know, she has this laid out for her. She's checking up on her to make sure that she's actually doing it. We have a guest. We have a guest speaker. You want to talk? Sweet boy. Sweet give boy, us a give us another meow. Sweet boy. You want to talk? Say meow. 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 Oh, now you're all quiet. No, Come no. On he now. wants to be shy. <laughs> I think yeah, he wanted to say something about fright. this mom and then he got shy. Oh, I wish y'all could see what Sweet Boy looks like. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting <laughs> He's in this chair. <laughs> um, but so she's checking it. She's checking in on her, making sure that she's doing this very strict regimen. Um, but she's missing the point that her daughter has no space to figure out who she is as a person outside of the plan that her mom has for her. And so what I wrote down is that the issue really is that her mother cares about her, but is not curious about her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And cool. so like all yeah, of that it's... goes by the wayside because she's not interested in who she is. She's interested in who she wants well, her to not be. Not just that. It's also the fact that uh, her mom is, I mean, what is what is this academy? This academy is a gateway to work island. Mm-hmm. And so the school is focused on, you know, STEM. And not that STEM isn't important, but when she is spending time with the aviator, she's actually learning things that are valuable. Yeah. Like real world mm-hmm. things. Yes. Like she, well, yeah. I feel like she learns that life ends. Joy. And that joy, yeah, joy exists. And, but I think the biggest thing is that life ends. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not to say that she didn't know people were to die, right? But just truly understanding that the people you love will one day not be here. And like, that's a really, that's a really heavy thing for children to have to process and yeah. to become aware of. Um, what you guys were just saying reminded me of, so I'm gonna talk about this book I've been reading um, by Bell Hooks, it's all about love. And um, in her book, she really acknowledges that um, it's hard for children to truly acknowledge dysfunction in their families because a lot of the time we mistake caring for love. And there is a difference growing up in a household that is loving and growing up growing up in a household that is caring, right? Yep. And I, it's not to say that this mother doesn't love her daughter, but she's not growing up in a household that is loving. Yeah. She's growing up in a household that is caring. And I think she's even learning not only that people that people die, right? Things end, but also she is learning about love through the aviator yeah she's learning about 
unconditional love and not yeah. conditional love. Yeah. Um, and conditional love is what she's experiencing with her mother. Yeah. So even this process of learning. If you don't follow this regimented schedule, you're going to be locked in your room yeah. and forced to. I'm going to close the, the blinds the minute you look out the window mm -hmm. because I don't want you to get distracted because I care about you so much. And then it comes down to that phrase that if you were lucky, I say um, sarcastically, you heard your parents say growing up, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I care about yeah. you. Um, and she's experiencing that firsthand. So all I could think about, because I'm reading this book right now, presently, um, as I'm watching this movie, all I could think about was that section of the book, understanding the difference, the difference between. between caring and loving and this is what that's this great. Is that you know experience of that child so yeah I, can, I just thought it was really beautiful and heartbreaking i can add to that too of just like it also goes to not just like uh imagination and like things it it you know not to throw it to high school musical three <laughs> but it is that it, it 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 is that decision of my life versus yours of like like what you're saying of like caring versus loving but it is something of like there is there are parents where it's like i'm doing this because i love you but it is the thing of like in high school musical it's the dad being like i want you to be like me but better well, like, that's like you're, the dad you're a legacy <laughs> yeah yeah like you're a legacy and that's a lot of wrestling as well too we're seeing it now live and this year with wrestling with Cody Rhodes of like being a legacy kid, but wanting his own story. He doesn't want to be attached to his father. He wants to be himself. And, and I think that's the other part that kids have to realize too, is, is that there's a lot of kids growing up where it's like, Oh, this was a big part of my life because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, my dad, you know, really liked football and then they become a big football player, but they never realized like, is was that what i wanted to do and that's like the high school musical dilemma of like does he want to be in drama or does he want to play basketball because there are like that decision of like what you were saying before of like being seventh graders of like they don't know what they want to be because like that's so young and even in high school like i remember junior year of college they're like what do you want to do and i'm like i i past high school like i i don't know like i even then i still was like i guess like do this graphic design thing but like it it's something where like i saw a lot of people in high school like get hit with that reality so fast of like oh shit like we're not we're not gonna be kids anymore <laughs> like oh damn and then like now you see it a bunch with like certain nostalgia trips of just like people getting that nostalgia dopamine hit of like damn it was nice being a kid. It was nice, like, oh, like, like all that kind of stuff, like not having to deal with like what we consider growing up and things because there was less, there was less stress and everything. And, and there was like, quote unquote, like less to do. And, right. and with the, the legacy of just all, all of it with like certain parents, it is something of like, it, it's a hard conversation for a kid to have because you're a kid. No, I agree. And they're with you. an authority figure. I actually versus just like, had, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, a lot of adults now having those conversations with their parents going, you know what? Like, that was fucked up. Like, you like 
making me go to Yale or like doing that kind of stuff where like I could have had a summer like this little girl, like she could have made friends and things, but she's just stuck reading books and doing math problems, you know, like Mm -hmm. being in there. And I think a lot of people can relate to that too. Hence why they made, you know, another movie about that, like book smart of just like them being book smart, but then like now realizing, Oh fuck, like high school can't be about partying and like doing a bunch of like other stuff. Like it isn't just like life isn't just about, the one goal yeah it can be about many goals yeah and i think that's something that applies to i mean i think i'm the oldest person on this podcast but i think that applies to i mean i'm in my 30s and making big career changes because i realized i wasn't happy and so um you know just finding like what brings me joy and what what I actually want to be doing with my time is more important than what the world tells me is important, which is, you know, like you got to have this much money and then you have to get a house and then you have to, you know, do all these things. And, you know, it's just like, or, you know, what's, what's best for each individual person? What's best for one person might not be best for another person. So um, I just think that, we just i think that's like the the big takeaway from this film which is just like to chart your own path and like and not feel guilty about it like to do not feel it guilty about it to do it intentionally but not strategically all of the time yeah. like there there doesn't have to be um a super planned out path and i feel like as adults all of us here that's something that we're still constantly unlearning as like a type A person myself, like wanting to plan everything to a T. I feel like I watched this movie and it kind of just welcomes curiosity back in, but also um, comfort in just kind of letting things happen yeah. and not know the outcome every single time. Um but yeah, no, I, I agree. I um, yeah, this movie's this movie's great. Um, it's a good, so it's much a, deeper than what, and I, you know, I was just thinking about this because the people who really, um, and Freddie and I talked about this, the people who really weren't um, aware of the book or big on the book, a lot of people didn't watch the film. Obviously, like it really wasn't big. It yeah. didn't. I would say it didn't really go anywhere. Like yeah. it was just kind of a blip in the universe and then just as quickly as it came it went away um and it's that's really sad makes me sad but i also understand why it is that way because um well i'm sorry what connor oh well i did some research and it was because like i was mad last episode that it wasn't on netflix still and i was like why wasn't it on netflix and so i had dig it did some digging and it was probably just because netflix released it on the every streaming service just kind of dropping stuff off their platforms because why not money reasons and things um but like they didn't own this movie they just acquired it if that makes sense like they they didn't finance it it or anything (laughs) yeah like so so it might have been just the contract was up Mm -hmm. um but as i was looking at it it's like it had a big run in the other countries just in america it yeah it was like nothing well i think it was just another animated movie that that came out because again this year this is 2015 this is the inside out year and yeah. so, like, you have movies like that, and then uh, the when Mari was here, 
and and stuff like that like when you look at the oscars like best of because i was like yeah like why why wasn't because this feels like an oscar like nominated movie and i was like what are the other movies and i looked and i'm like oh yeah not saying like those are leagues better but i was like oh damn this was actually a stacked year for animated movies and specifically like good animated movies for children and and i feel like it must have just been like oh like adults or whoever were like oh i I mean i guess i'll watch that and it just kind of went under a lot of people's radars because there were so many like other juggernauts that year well it makes a lot of sense that it was more popular in places like europe across the world because it is a european oh yeah france i'll say this it's a french France ate it up (laughs) it's a french novel and so to face point yes if you don't know the source material you might not be interested in the book and americans don't necessarily have a lot of knowledge about the source material, but French, the France. And so also- The French do. The France do. To say something, I went to Europe this past summer, and when I tell you, Europeans prioritize leisure. Like, that is leisure- That's my kind of place. Yeah, no, I mean, it like leisure is a thing, and it's like, beautiful oh mm-hmm. my god the it people was incredibly are a lot more healthy it's, than americans oh are. My, i mean besides like it's like a like walking mentally. cigarette no matter where you go yeah. but like no i mean yeah like leisure is um something they prioritize and i think of course i was in i was in france and there is the little prince everything like they're so proud of this story um i can't tell you how many yeah, it's like a- little french babies i saw wearing the little prince like merch so cute and um i think in itself that's an example america does not prioritize leisure no we are a working like company in this country we We are are the asteroid. asteroid yeah um and i was thinking about that too america is where souls come to die and it's so sad because it's so contradictory like we we acknowledge that we are this like land of opportunity but it's the only opportunity it's the land of work capitalism <laughs> it's the land of work it's the land of work and <laughs> it's the um, i know work. that that's even contradictory me saying that because i fell into capitalism obviously going to europe and spending the money i spent but it was this beautiful opportunity for me to well, see it's a culture thing too right it, yeah. it was just a beautiful opportunity for me to see leisure being practiced thoroughly and just genuinely like people just enjoying themselves and not feeling the stress. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with people in France about what they enjoy doing on their free time. And it's like when they clock out of work, they clock out of work and they go enjoy themselves. And um, so it makes sense that in other countries, this movie did really well and not in America. Especially in France. Especially in France. (laughs) Since it's their book. It's it's honestly like, it's honestly like the second the secondhand country money effect that I coined when I was huge into box office numbers in college, where I would just go through box office mojo and just track box office receipts. And it was when uh, Fast 8 was coming out. And I remember having conversations with people and they're like, really? Another Fast and Furious? This even happens with 10. And they're like, oh, like they should have ended it after one or whatever. And then they're like, those don't even make money and i'm like they don't make money in america but they make a shit ton of money in the in other countries like other countries love certain franchises so even when like other franchises come to america and people are like why like why is this like why are they still making this thing it's either because the other country likes it or it's 
the country's like main export, like with London with Paddington. Like I think the closest thing to the little prince is Paddington. Yeah. I'm just like this little yeah. this little soft boy that shows children like the world and like the how prince, like open it is. The little prince is to France as Paddington is to England as yeah. Totoro is to because Japan as I don't know what the American yeah, but like version even of that is. Paddington is so Paddington is so worldwide that when I well when I went to Canada like there was there was Paddington merch everywhere. That's British. Oh fuck! I know the Winnie the Pooh is British. No, fuck the mouse. <laughs> fuck, fuck the mouse. Fuck the mouse. Uh, We're trying to figure out America's version of little, the Little Prince. Slash yeah, I kind of feel like it got lost there. Isn't slash it? Paddington. Yeah. Slash Totoro. Slash. And then we came up with Winnie the Pooh. What the cat in the hat? That's not American. Um. Anyway, audience, if you have any suggestions as to what you think the American version of wholesome, childlike, aw, just... I don't know. Comment, email us. How are the anyway? The boxcar kids. What were you saying? I was I was saying that like to get it to the Paddington thing. I was trying to say like Paddington is so worldwide that it's not like in America. Like even in America, it feels like a like cult thing to like Paddington. Yeah, it's more of like a film. Um, Even though yes, yeah, and it's like a film person thing. But like Paddington is so like big that when i went to canada to like start the process of my teeth uh but like when i went there to toronto like at the airport there was paddington merch and it's like damn like well, he, canada he's like, is he's like British their Commonwealth, flat. so that makes sense i know but but it was just like it's their flat stanley of like it was just not even canada it, it had like other flags and stuff and so i'm like oh like it's crazy that like like th- this this character can be so worldwide but then like when you come here it's like nothing and like you said like with Totoro and and other thing and other stuff and i don't know like it it just kind of shows like yeah like how work centric america is of just like we're so yeah, full of ourselves <laughs> until it becomes yeah well we don't have one but the one thing that america loves is football so i think that's the one thing that we have hmm. Is football good American football? Yeah, that money making machine, and that's what that's why I'm a little Exploiting averse to. That's why I'm a little averse color. to Mickey Mouse being America's thing because that's frog, also a frog and toad machine that is you know very work oriented. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm just gonna say I googled I googled famous Americans kids books, and the oh, first one that shows up is Frog and Toad are friends. I love Frog and Toad. That's a good one. But oh I yeah, Frog and Toad. I don't that. think they're like. I don't think they're as iconic as like Paddington or Totoro. No, that's why I said the cat in the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I said I said SpongeBob because Stephen Hill created the character. Um, the cat in the hat. Hat. Is that just a hard no from all y'all? No, I mean the cat in the hat. Doctor Seuss is. Like, I would say Doctor Seuss is probably America's version of like childlike awe, wonder, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I don't know about SpongeBob, Connor. <laughs> that seems a little bit more adult to me. That's another one of those things geared to children meant for adults. Yeah, it's meant for adults. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, real, real quick, just a tangent. Um, let's hear this tangent. So, one thing when we were when we were talking about the mom, I just want to wrap up my my last little thought on this. But talking about the mom, and then it, the way that she raises the daughter has made her like hyper vigilant like she acts like a grown adult and 
the thing when rewatching it this time, which I never like really fully thought about until watching it this time, which this might be like what the fourth or fifth time I've watched this movie. Um, it it finally dawned on me that the daughter deals with the entire propeller situation without once calling her mom. Mm -hmm. Doesn't call her mom. Her mom doesn't know anything happened until she gets home from work like late at night. And she deals with the police Mm -hmm. over the course of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, but she does this, she does this whole thing, which like in no situation should a child that's like nine years old, uh, she's literally, she's eight. literally like an she's, adult. Yeah, like the way that she conducts herself, she is, she is one. She's more competent than most adults. Yes, and so, but it's like that's directly a result of her not being given the space to be anything other than that. Mm-hmm. Even though she's at the age that she absolutely shouldn't be the person that has to deal with something that's like, oh yeah, a propeller went through my uh, living room. <laughs> and it, had I been there like I was five minutes ago, I'd probably be dead. Like, Well, I mean, think of like your one of your favorite parts in the movie is just when she goes, Logan. Logan. <laughs> right? Like just this like right. She knows her mom's work drama. She She's very... so invested in it. Yeah. That like you never know. Like Logan is like the only name really Logan. that is said in the movie. Yeah. And she's just like aware of it. And that in itself as like somebody who grew up just knowing all of my parents' shit and like having that kind of relationship. Um, you're just like, oh my God, like you just know this child is just not a child. They're physically a child and they have moments where they're mentally Logan. a child, but Logan, like that, <laughs> that is her. She's a grown ass woman yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, and I think it's like, uh, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for this kid to be super competent, no. but it's at the expense of her imagination and her yeah youth and just like her i mean that's not good for any child's psyche to be the adult in any situation Um, yeah so yeah i i mean this movie wrecked me um emotionally i specifically when it oh my gosh two things that just like oh i'm gonna cry (laughs) i'm the kind of person that like cries just yeah. And I will I, I how many times have I cried on the podcast? I think maybe three times. Two or three times, three something times. like that. Um yeah. it's just something I do. And people who don't know me are like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm literally fine. Like, that's just <laughs> I just cry, okay? Um no, but <laughs> the two things that just like broke me were in the storybook telling when the when the little prince meets the fox. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um Oh my god, I'm just going to lose it. No, so I actually that's my that is my favorite part of the book. Yeah. Um when the little prince meets the fox, it is such an example of unconditional love. Like it is outstanding. Yeah. And you have it is just a testimony using, I wrote down here um, in the book, 
I mean, the fox like gives the the little prince basically the thesis of the whole story. Of the whole story. Yeah, he says, yeah. "For me, you're only a little boy, just like a hundred thousand other little boys, and I have no need of you, and you have no need of me either. For I'm only a fox, like a hundred other thousand foxes." But you, if you tame me, we'll need each other. You'll be the only boy in the world for me, and I'll be the only fox in the world for you. And then you go further on into the story, and that's when his like infamous quote of "One sees clearly only with with the heart. Anything essential is excuse me, anything essential is a uh, invisible to the eyes." And I think like everything that is essential is invisible and is yeah and it's that's where that the notion of unconditional love comes and when he uses the term tame he is using the word love yeah he's not saying like you own you me. own me mm -hmm. it is this when you love something fully it's a mutual thing it's mutual and he then talks about that in the film where the little prince has this moment where he realizes his rose is just mm. like another rose. And he very, very gently calls out the little prince and he says, no, no. the rose is not in any other rose. She's your She's rose. Your rose. Um, and I cry every time I watch that. So sweet. Because you have moments in your adult life where you feel like you are just another person there's nothing special about you people make you feel that way you make yourself feel that way and when you read that for me or when you watch it it is just a reminder that unconditional love is the practice of seeing beyond you're just like another person you're you're just you're just somebody you're you're easy to throw away um and for a child to experience that because the little prince is a child he is the embodiment of childhood mm -hmm. and mm. if you are taught to hate if you are taught to judge um in ways outside of curiosity that's when those really bad grown-ups are born yeah but when you have moments like his conversation between him and the fox where he, the fox kind of checks him and is like you can't consider her an everyday rose because you're missing, you're starting to learn that conditional love yeah. and you need to cut that shit out now yeah. before it starts. Yeah. Um, and then that's when the little prince is like, she's my rose. She's my rose. I have <laughs> to get back to my rose. Yeah. Um, and he remembers that he entered his journey of traveling to protect his rose. He needed to find a sheep to eat the baobab trees yeah. like he he needed to um baobab excuse me he needed to um he needed to support her and in his process of or catastrophe yeah or catastrophe um but in his process of his journey and he's traveling he um i think his journey and him traveling is that example of the moment children start to forget and start the process yeah. of growing up. Because then when he reaches that beautiful tunnel of roses, he he meets what conditional love is. 
Yeah. And he has to unlearn that before he fully learns it. Yeah. And the fox does that. And the fox does that because the fox has tamed him. Mm-hmm. The fox has shown him unconditional love. The fox loves him. And foxes. Um, we should. We haven't actually explained the rose. Yes. We should well, I mean, it's fine. Right? I mean, people either watched it or they didn't. We don't have okay. to like. I mean, yeah, the rose is. The rose is the star of the show. Yeah. <laughs> the rose is um, beautifully voiced by. The gorgeous Marion Cotillard. Oh my God, she's so beautiful. The, the she's rose, got a great voice. Um, the rose is an embodiment of quote unquote temptation. Yeah, right. Um, it's an embodiment of. But that's um, like his. That's like his thing. Yeah. in life is like this rose. This rose. Like, that's his, for lack of a better word, his person. Yeah, uh, and. Basically, the premise of the story is him leaving to go protect it and trying to get back to her. Um, and I think you did a great job of explaining like how that, how the conflict, the conflict is forgetting. The yeah. conflict is forgetting why well, you left you, in the first place. You get to the end of the movie where it's Mr. Prince and he finds his way back to, oh. you know, and he finds his way back to his asteroid and he... Catastrophe has happened. Catastrophe has happened. The trees have taken over because he forgot. Mm -hmm. And he lifts up this glass, which, fun fact, how Freddie proposed to me was a glass globe with a little rose in it and my my engagement ring right inside. I wonder if that's just like a French thing because Because Beauty Beauty and the the Beast Beast and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, I wonder, like, because, like, that's all I could think of was the Beauty and the Beast when I saw the rose and the glass clash. Yeah. Like, and you know what? Like, when Freddie proposed to me, anybody else who had seen that, they were, they were like, probably like, this bitch is obsessed with Beauty and the like, Beast. No, it's the little prince, and motherfucker. I'm like, actually, <laughs> actually, it's the little prince, because I knew immediately. But, um, no, anyways. Um, that's, that's probably just a French thing. Yeah. Because. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is very French. It's there everywhere. Yeah. Little cafes with little <laughs> yeah. rows. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, but no, um, when he gets to this this rose that has been forgotten and she just crumbles and she blows away in the wind, it's that it's, you know, forgetting and what happens when you forget. Everybody is always so afraid when if you think about it in the human world and you think about um, when someone dies, your first fear is I'm going to forget them. Um, and her blowing away in the wind and then there's this, you know, animation of the rose coming out of the sign and then you hear the little girl say, I can feel her. I, like, I, I hear can her. see her. I can see her. Um, she kind of like becomes the sky. She becomes the sky. Yeah, she, you gorgeous. know, and it's there in the story, there is no new rose you know like that was his rose Mm -hmm. and that is also a teaching to children and to adults about death about death but also like consequence yeah of forgetting yeah you know like trying so hard and i I wrote down in my notes i said um (laughs) i said i gotta read my handwriting it's the true telling (laughs) of the happiest form of heartbreak Acknowledge, uh, acknowledging that we have forgotten things amidst growing up and have the opportunity and responsibility to ourselves to find that part of us again. It's so um, and it's just that reminder there that there are, conse- there are consequences. But yeah. you, can always, you can always make it up and you, you can. can always get back to where you were. Yeah. If you want to, if yeah. you want to try, you know. So, 
Yeah, I mean, and even, you know, even at the end there when it's not in that storybook, like it, it looks different because it's we've seen the rows in the in the like the the 2D, 3D stop mm-hmm. motion, but then we see it again in the CGI animation and um it looks a lot different, but I just thought that part like looked so good and it looks so vivid compared to what her world looks like. I even thought the work asteroid looked really cool. The way mm-hmm. that it's just like not flat it's everything is so skyscrapers sticking out like and they're at different angles yeah 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 uh you know very very i thought that looked really good and i thought like they were pushing the boundaries of the animation a little bit towards the end as they were like getting into these other worlds that the little girl was traveling to and i just oh my god when they get to the businessman and and he's like explaining they're like he's like turning childhood things like bikes and ships and paper clips into literal like corporate like supplies and paper clips very on the nose of yeah. like the metaphor of transitioning from childhood to adulthood um yeah. and um no, I thought the I thought those were I thought I yeah I thought the animation got a lot a lot better at the end. Um, but like notice that more. it's like it start like you start to like the animation more when it becomes a fusion of like the two separate it, it elements does. of this well, story. Yeah, it does. Kind I of, think kind the of thing that got them. me with the the animation was the like I, I was harsh on it, but it's only because again like around this time is like inside out and a bunch of movies that like really push like you know pixar like pushing the boundaries and there are moments in this movie that do that have shots where i was like wow like those are like what we consider in the biz the money shot where like she looked in the telescope and the eye that shot was very good but then there's like the rest of movements where i'm like this isn't like hitting as hard until she's riding in the rain on the bike Mm. that whole sequence i was like oh there's a shift in animation yeah, here i do think and from a then on that's where i was like oh th- now you're giving me something that i like mm-hmm. like why couldn't this be in the whole movie yeah. <laughs> type of thing so well, yeah like it was it was like that that bike riding scene lazy. was so good yeah like as as she as she becomes more knowledgeable about what life is actually about the lifelessness of her world transforms transforms into something that has a lot yeah. more life in it. She's starting to see the world as it really is and not just how this system that she's being like forced into wants to see the world. For sure. Um, I, I do really like, I like how on the nose the visual metaphors are like throughout this movie. Like we were talking about earlier that all the angular like mm-hmm. suburbia, everything's a square, everything is like perfectly shaped, everything's meant to be exactly one way, really uniform. Mm-hmm. Um and then the like her her life chart is comically large and has so many different things on it and it's planned out in like 10 minute intervals. Like it's so ridiculous, but it's so perfect for the point that they're trying to get across because it is just like blatantly like you do not live for yourself in this world you live for 
a system much larger than you mm -hmm. that and yet yeah, for for the boss man for the person that owns the stars mm -hmm. um and i i just think i think it's very effective because a lot of the um you know emotional elements and a lot of the a lot of the messages that are conveyed in the storybook parts are so elegant and open-ended and like there it's not like all of these it's not like all of the emotional core is explained like in great detail and regimented like it trusts that children and adults alike will understand what what a sentence like all the things that are essential are invisible to the eye means yeah you know and so it's like you have something like that with the juxtaposition of you know we turn we turn bikes into paper clips yeah like for sure i just think it works really well um do we want to get into do we want to get into like favorite moments i think we've kind of already done that i think we should move into our ratings okay can i just say two things two three you can also things say it quick? with your rating also okay but i just had three little moments three little moments you can do i'll that do my, i'll i'll say my moments and then i'll do my rating afterwards how's that sound i'm gonna go first with the ratings okay because my movie's next week okay so let's i mean say say what you're gonna say okay i just had um a couple little editing and like editing things elements that i just thought were really neat and really cool that i really like so first thing um one little moment when she hangs up her uniform at the beginning of the summer uh they play the microphone sound that plays when she passes out at the actual like academy so when she looks at she looks at it and like she winces and they they play that exact same like mic spike hmm. um so i thought that was a really cool callback also when the when she first flies the airplane at the end there's a flock of birds that takes off exactly like the little prince's flock of birds when he leaves his asteroid that's so cute also when they're working on the plane together and he first put, shoots the parachute out and he lets it land on top of them it is the exact same shape as the snake that swallowed an elephant when it lands on top of them and so I thought that was like a fantastic yeah, subtle like little callback. Cool little callbacks and like yeah. bookend things and like parallels. No, it's really yeah. cute. So I mean like even the snake swallowing the elephant um at the end of the movie where she is then teaching her class. She's at the academy and she, you know, you have to wait the, the movie ends but then it, you know, comes back and she's teaching yeah. her like the, her peers about um, the snake that swallows the elephant, just kind of bringing back that creative mind to children. Her teacher even tilts his head like, hmm, like that's so interesting. Um, I will say the snake swallowing the elephant is like the most known part of this book. Like, Well, just like the image the of image it. The image of yeah. it, yeah. Because it's like, oh, that's a hat. And people are like, yeah, it's a hat. And then, you know, now it's like I see it and I'm like, no, that's a sweet snake that swallowed an elephant. It's an elephant being swallowed by a snake. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I'm going to go first with ratings. Um, there's a lot of things I really liked about this movie. What I like the most about this movie is how seriously it takes um, its messaging. And there's so many there's so many things that it's tackling, um, like, 
you know, the pressure of your parents and vanity, like the um, conceited man and the king even. Um, when the king is like trying to um, convince the little prince that he has control over the sunset. Mm-hmm. And the little prince is like, I want to see a sunset. And he's like, well, we have to wait for the right conditions. conditions. But what that means is I have no control over yes. that. And I think that has a lot to do with like the mom and how like she wants to control every little bit of the little girl's life. But I think control and power, the way that they're portrayed in this film is like, Nobody actually has power and nobody actually has any control. No single human being on this earth actually has true power because sure, you may be, i.e. president of the United States, but you can't stop a hurricane. You can't stop a forest fire. Mm -hmm. You can't make the sun set when you want it to set because... You have no power, yeah. And I think I think it it does a lot to to teach children and grown ups about like the volatility of like control yeah. and like wanting to have control over anything. Well, the king has no control over if the conditions are favorable until the only thing that he can do is hit the top floor on an elevator. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the only thing. Well, I mean, I just only think, time he has yeah, true and I, power. I really liked I really liked what it had to say about like just capitalism and like the messaging about like the soul crushing way that we live life specifically in america but just any i mean it's it's something that kind of permeates the whole globe really but it's it's something that um it's 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 not how humans were meant to exist um and so i think that this movie has a lot to say about that um and i loved the fox i think I like foxes the same way that Connor loves penguins. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with foxes. I love, they're probably my favorite little woodland creature. And I, and like when the little prince is introduced to the, to the fox, I just had an extreme emotional reaction to that. But also I really loved the little stuffed fox that yes. kind of joins a little girl on her adventure. Cause he just like provides a lot of like comedic relief and he's just adorable. Uh, all of that to say, I really think that this movie has a lot going for it. Um, I do think the animation needs some work. We can't go back and change it, but that is what it is. Um, so I'm going to give it a four out of five. Four out of five. That's um, a eight out of ten for you ten people out there. But on Letterboxd, four out of five. Connor? I have two moments since we're putting it into our ratings. Trying to. <laughs> two moments. I know. One moment. People, for our audience, hopefully you've put it together. Jeff Bridges plays the pilot. This is the he second. He also played. <laughs> this is not just the second Jeff vehicle point. This is the second him being the coaching you know, father-like figure in mentor. a movie that we have talked about on this <laughs> mm-hmm. podcast that we talked about. That is an animated movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. I said that to and Freddie then, as soon as it started. I was like, "Is that Jeff Bridges? That's the second Jeff Bridges performance." <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I also like the therapeutic 
uh, math sequences. Shout out to my math blasters out there. Uh, <laughs> something about her blasters. doing math homework uh, was very uh, like satisfying to me. It was almost <laughs> like ASMR. Interesting. I was just like, I just like, I yeah, I was just like, wow, like this is my. Like, like I want more movies to do that versus like a uh, anime with like food. Like I, w- I want more math scenes <laughs> in animation. <laughs> but yeah, but with my overall views on this, yeah, I thought this movie is does a good job of being what it is, and I think that's the best praise I can give it. Um, because yeah, with doing more research and things like that, of like knowing that the director was one of the directors of Kung Fu Panda. Uh, and he also did the live action sequences of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, but like knowing that like this guy worked for DreamWorks and specifically like with that first Kung Fu Panda, like that's my biggest like thing with like the Brad Birdisms of like the animation of like it was kind of losing that sauce at, at points until like it becomes so like saucy, like so sweaty with with everything that I'm like oh like yes give me more of that. And then it just kind of falls flat. But that's a, not that's not to say that this is like a terrible movie and I wouldn't recommend it. The best like comparison I can give it is like it reminds me of like Trolls, the first Trolls movie. Where like it isn't like in my opinion, it isn't the best thing in the world, but it's definitely not the worst thing that you could show your child. And with our conversation we're talking to, definitely this is a kid this is a movie that people should have their kids watch and maybe even adults should watch. But it's something where like I feel like this movie gets passed by libraries or just in general and they go like, Oh, this is like it it almost looks like with the cover and stuff like a straight to DVD animated kids movie that like you just kind of put on and it's like, Yeah, they'll entertain the kids. Yeah, the poster like, the the these, like official poster needs I mean, it's not very good. It doesn't look appealing. Yeah, and and so with this, it's like when you watch these types of movies, you get people like like Faith, you know, that may have read, you know, the source material or just has this huge connection to it that you're like, oh, like these are the diamonds in the rough. But to me, like it, it just, I yeah, it just needed it just needed a little bit more with its animation, but also just like I, it needed to grab me a little bit more with the story. I kind of got lost at times. Not that it's conf- a confusing movie. It just, it kind of lost me with the entertainment part. And it's mainly like when the the little Prince stuff came on, I was like, ooh, like this is going to be good. But then after that, I was just kind of like getting bored of the little girl story and, and things. Cause I kind of knew where it was going to be ended up going. And it wasn't until we get to the work asteroid that I'm like, this is, this is what I needed. Like I needed this level of creativity. So for, for me, this is a six out of 10. Um, but I have a feeling like most movies upon rewatches, it will keep bumping up. This is definitely a bump up movie versus putting it down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, this is one where I keep watching it and it will probably keep getting, you know, higher scores until it finally gets the, the certified five out of five that it's like, well, I can't rate it any higher. So <laughs> like I've seen it, you know, 20 times or whatever. So like, there's a bunch of movies that I have like that, but like, uh, yeah, like who, who knows when I'll see it next. But if I do, like, I have a feeling I might like it more as time. What, goes on. what did you rate it? A six, six out, out, of out of 10. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Freddie and then faith stand yeah. because it's faith's choice. Faith's movie. Um, I think 
I do think that the I think that the the work planet is kind of I would argue that it's kind of like an un it's kind of like an unexpected twist. I think that there's definitely like an alternate version of this story where the aviator is like in the hospital dying and she just finds um like the rest of the book and it doesn't do that whole work planet sequence, but I think the work planet sequence is extremely crucial to the entire story and i think it kind of ties i think it kind of like ties all of it together because ultimately like the lessons that she's learned from the little prince story is what actually allows her to navigate this quote basically the metaphor for the adult world like that's how she navigates the asteroid planet that's how she that's how she gets out of being arrested is because she realizes all the all the cares was it the the conceited man all the conceited man needs is somebody to clap for him mm-hmm. and so she's like okay i'll just clap for you and then you'll be so distracted by people clapping for you that i'll just leave and then she realizes oh the king just needs to feel like he's in control of something so i understand that this is something so small that he actually has control over i'll just <laughs> tell him i'll just i'll just pander to you know him his his sense of control and I'll get to the top floor like I need to get to. Um, and, you know, it's. Conditions are favorable. Yep. And so I just I think it it really sort of like blends the two parallel stories that are being told together in like a really perfect way. Um, anyway, yeah, it's five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just i I think it's a I think it's an incredible movie, and I do I do wish that it would have gotten more appeal. I think had it, especially with the cast, the cast lineup for the voiceover is crazy for a movie that's done as poorly in the United States as it has. Yeah, um, honestly, I think it should have just been a French film. Yeah, and like just it but should be in French. Bitch. Like just yeah, like it funny. should be French actors. I mean, Marion Cotillard is from France. Yeah. Like she should have. I mean, they should have just been speaking French, and it should have just been French actors, and it should have just been a French story. But it's fine. Um, go ahead, Faith. So you're not saying it's a five out of five because I'm your wife. Mm-hmm. No, he literally said it's a five out of five. I know. Yeah. Are you not saying it because I'm your wife? Am I? What do you mean? Am I not saying it because you're my wife? I just feel like my wife. My wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> because I'm your wife. Like I feel like during the month month of romance, you should have just said it's my wife's favorite movie. It's a five out of five. Oh, but I digress. Oh, anyway, or, or he's saying it's a five out of five because he thinks it's a five out of five. <laughs> I mean, it's a five out of no, five. It's a five period, out of five. But obviously, um, it's a five out of five bonus. <laughs> um, no, it's a five out of five for You're me. The but I also, know about this movie. oh. It's a five out of five for me as well, but also, if I'm being honest, um, I think this movie would have been better if it wasn't this movie at all, if it was just the telling of The Little Prince. Yeah. And there wasn't um, like this, you, like, you side story. The, you enjoy the actual story book Yes, I, I think more. because there's so much that happens within the, the book that obviously there's not enough time yeah and there's not enough time in the film that we have to be able to expand on all of the things that happen in the book and i feel like if this story was just told straightforward 
first page till the end, right? Which we know doesn't always, that can't happen. Most, you know, pieces of literature turned into pieces of film cannot explore every aspect of the story. But I do think um, if we had a telling of it without the side story of the little girl and the older aviator and this work world and all of that good stuff, um, it would still be a really beautiful movie. And I think it honestly yeah. could attract people a little bit more. Well, hopefully people listen to this podcast and yeah. more people want to watch it and experience it for yeah. themselves. And that's kind of what sure. we want to do with this whole thing is right. get people to watch more movies. But yeah, no, it's a five out of five for me, but I'm biased. So. There You're is... not biased. It's your opinion. <laughs> I just want to say one thing. There is a physical release of this film. That's how I got it uh, from the library. And on that physical release, there is two options, either played in French mm-hmm. or played in English. And I thought that was kind of cool. And the French one is the one that just boots up normally, that you have to go to the English yeah. one. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. All so. right. Um, Faith, thank you for picking that movie. It was beautiful. I'm so glad to have seen it Good. and experienced it. I actually want to borrow a little Prince book and read it. I have multiple copies. So bring you could borrow me. the French one. Mm-hmm. I can't read. French. You want to read French? So, uh, yeah, I want to. I want to read it now. But um, speaking of France, uh, the next movie that we are going to be watching next week, which is Cameron's pick, is actually in French and is from the country of France. Oui. It is Celine Siamas. Celine Siamas, Portrait of a Lady on Fire from the year 2019. It is on Hulu. You can also find it on Canopy. You can also rent it on any digital platform or you can rent it from your local library. Um, yeah, this film came out also in 2019 in and it is, it's not streaming on the Criterion Collection I looked today. No, but you can get... Go to your local Barnes and Noble, and you can pick up a copy, a physical copy, baby. Support physical media as always. So, um, yeah, this is Cameron's pick for next week. So, Cam is my spouse, and he your husband. Um, he wanted to watch this movie. I asked him why he wanted to pick this movie. Well, I I know why, because. Uh, he he I think it's probably his favorite movie ever. Um but he specifically said if I'm going to spend time talking about a movie I want it to be this one. So I'm looking forward to all of you watching this film for the first time because it's impeccable. <laughs> all right, looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on Faith. Um thanks for listening. That's it for our episode today. Make sure you rate and review. Follow us on Instagram. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We'll see you for Portrait of Lady on Fire. Bye. Bye.